beyond war, I would venture to offer is the home from which all of us come. The home which all of us are to realize so that mysteriously we might remain home always, everywhere, forever. The mystery is that it's so difficult for us to realize home, embody home and represent home for one another, including for ourselves. Actually, <clears throat> it is not difficult. It is more that we are frightened that we will go away in how we've known ourselves through fear and separation should we let go into embodying home. So very few of us represent this. And it is my experience that we are at a time in humanity all across our Mother Earth where heaven, the Earth herself, all of creation, all of life is aspiring to the human race realizing home, that we might caretake this planet adequately for it to be sustained as a physical space in time upon which we might embody heaven beyond war. So <clears throat> let's do several practices aspiring for this ripeness I feel we're in. It's the spring in the Northern Hemisphere of the year 2022. The backyard of John's home here is filled with the verdant leaves and new grasses of the mid-spring of Texas. There are songbirds, butterflies, ladybugs. The first family of wrens is ready to fledge. And every morning, with the cool, kind of balmy breezes of North Texas, <clears throat> our bedroom door is open onto a small patio. And across from the gate of that patio, out into the larger patio and yard, there hangs a rustic wooden white birdhouse, which is the favorite birdhouse of the wrens. And for a number of years now, they've come several times each spring and built nests in this beautiful small house. And it's very quiet. First the parents arrive and all of a sudden when they've chosen which of the several birdhouses will be their abode, the father will perch on the roof of that house or a branch in a tree nearby and throw his little head back <clears throat> and sing with a song that is resplendent filled with joy, we found our home. And I know that the nest will come, the baby birds will come. Then all of a sudden one morning, there will be stillness and they will have fledged, they will have gone out, hopefully safely into the world around them of trees and bushes and grasses and animals and sky, human beings. 
And so the last several mornings, starting just after dawn, one of the parents arrives with food for the young, and there's a louder and louder sound of the little fledglings inside the house calling out to the parents, feed me, feed me. And yesterday, the parents were preparing them for flight, and so the song of the parents uh, coaxing their babies toward fledging was just astonishingly beautiful. And yet, they had not left the nest yet. But birds have left their nests for as long as they have existed upon this earth. And billions upon billions of them have lived long lives, full lives. You can hear the the father singing as I'm talking. And some of them have not lived, many. Some of them have not survived infancy as small baby birds. Some have not hatched. Some have. Storms have come, predators. And yet, what is it that lives on that is the song of the wren, the heart of the tiny bird? From where does she come? From where does he arise? From the same place which calls my ear before the dawn to listen. And I'm aware the parents haven't come yet. It's still too early for them to come and bring the first feeding of the day for their young, their young little chicks. And then all of a sudden, before it's completely light, there they are. And I don't hear the parent first. I hear the child calling back to the parents to please feed them. And every dawn, it's a little bit louder. So the first dawn that I hear them, it's the tiniest sound of an extremely fragile baby bird. No feathers yet, needing the warmth of the hair and feathers and fur and leaves and straw that the parents have gathered and filled into the bottom of that little rustic wooden house. It's a small birdhouse painted white with a little blue roof made by an artisan maybe 15 years ago. I have two of them. The quality of love that went into the birdhouses is beautiful to me. The quality with which we've hung them on the little latticework of the back patio is beautiful to me. The purpose they serve. The quality of what they call me to. And this is a quality beyond war. There is nothing in me that wants the birds to be anything but born of the grace of God, born of the grace of heaven, embodying every single moment of their perfect lives in 
the fullness of the seasons, the climate, the terrain, the food in the area and the ecosystem, the nature of the cycles of every moment of their relatively brief lives, small songbirds, compared to the longevity of an elephant or a mountain. And so there is a quality of enthusiasm of the ontheos, the of-godness of life, of the theology of life, of the, of the capacity that is of the divine. <clears throat> that energy so present in the little birds is unmistakable. John went out to water plants the other evening and our dog Brownie was running with him. And the bird, <clears throat> one of the parents would just get up in the tree and jump all around in this large pecan tree, watching what John was going to do with the hose next. And when John went to fill the bird bath under the pecan tree, that little bird just threw his or her head back and gave this enormous song. There was water within 10 feet of the birdhouse for the bird, for the bird's spouse, for the babies when they could fly out into the bushes and find safe haven in the terrain around them. It was glorious. Then what happens to all of us? Well, <clears throat> when we're conceived and we live within our mother's womb and within the energy of our father, within our own body and through our mother and around us, our father is teaching us <clears throat> an externalized discernment of safety in the world from warfare from all the predators who would like to destroy the life which is the little wren of our soul coming into the world. The Father knows that historically many human beings have not been particularly good. He knows in his own ancestral memory in his cells, mostly unconsciously, that many things about himself are not particularly good or of any of us. And so his path is one of representing, embodying survival for himself, for the mother of his coming child, and for that child. We must survive. She must survive. You, my coming baby, must survive. And that driving ambition, rather than coming from the mystery that is the Wren song, tends to come forward where the first experience as we breathe out tends to be one of aggression. I will survive. I will survive. And we imply in the space around us, and I don't care what happens to any wren on the face of the earth, any songbird, any tree, any being, especially any human being, except me, 
my father, my mother. And then we cry out, Mama, Mama, help. Daddy, save me. When we might say that in the present moment, there was not a war until we started the war. This is where meditation, contemplation, prayer, deep philosophical observance of consciousness and life are, I would say, an imperative of the human path. In almost every moment, someone else is waiting for you to be beyond war. And when you are, that being is stimulated to answer you and also go beyond war. Oh, I didn't know that. I was waiting for someone to go first. I was waiting for him, for her, for them. When we look back historically and we study peacemakers, we tend to turn to beings who were moving in a positive forward momentum toward a harmonious peace until something stopped them. And we study most of the time the stopped moment. When was Jesus crucified? When was Gandhi killed? And then we hesitate with an understanding that the peacemaker is very weak or the peacemaker might be completely transcendent for a deep Christian. He or she or they might understand Jesus as a very celestial being, transcendent. A non-Christian might say, well, he still died. A Christian might say he overcame death. And then another person will argue, how do you know? And we start fighting. So let us study the place instead of the moments of historic death, the quality that was living in these great souls. Because there are many great souls, famous or humble and not ever known upon the earth, who practice beyond war. And really, it's the only interesting classroom on the face of the earth. It's eternal. It is undisturbed. It is the place where you and God meet within yourself and God within everything and everyone. What does that feel like? Why would you ever leave that place? That's home. That's home. When you breathe from home and you practice aspiring to represent and embody home and you study regarding this in every human being, you begin to be answered 
And you begin to be part of a weaving, which to me is the destiny of the human race. It is infinitely beautiful. It will never fail you. When someone else perceives you, there's no one there for them to grasp at or fight with. So the first reaction the other human being generally has is one of defense. What are you doing? Who are you? What do you want? And your answer is really nothing, everything. You're wanting home everywhere for the sake of that within all beings, always in eternity, in this moment. And this state cannot be disturbed. So when you enter into it, what occurs is a peace that passeth all understanding and yet is understood, is simple and noble and modest within you and all around you. It gives a permission for this to exist everywhere and for all beings. So that the greatest movement of life is this represented through you. And then there is an essence beyond war, which is your signature. What does this feel like? Part of the reason it is historically not been so common is that People are always trying to have a counterpoint against it. You must want something. What is it you're trying to do here? What are you getting from this? Who are you? And everything within that other being, which historically has fought wars internally with family members, peers, neighbors, comes forward to let go into the great peace. Oh, I didn't know I had no enemy out there. I didn't know we were going to do this together, you and I. How did we not know this? We just didn't remember. Our fathers didn't remember. And their Y chromosomes clashed until they became two swords. Or until one said, give me your land, I want it. Rather than realizing he needed my grandfather to teach him about the apple orchard. Or I needed his great uncle to teach me about the fishing nets. In all of the places where we missed the classroom, 
we have resentments, judgments, regrets. A great example would be sitting down to a holy day meal with a man from all of the, say, 16 major religions of the world, historically. And if we turned in a circle and had bread from various parts of the world and fruit and vegetables, nuts, and we asked one of the men, would you offer a prayer, please, for all of us? As soon as that man would draw breath, to speak, all of the other men would feel in their own breath and cells their ancestral place against that man. His way of using vowels and consonants to say or not say the name of the Lord is wrong. Not adequate to how my great-great-grandfather would say it or not say it. So if together all of the men exhale at the table and then the gentleman offers, excuse me, then the gentleman offers the prayer, now where were we? And he then brings forward in the present moment his ancestral remembrance of how to honor heaven and offers that forward for all of the men. The men begin to be in a classroom where they are translating from the past to the present moment a future based upon their Y chromosomes breaking bread together, planting seeds together, cultivating and harvesting together, sharing, and then each taking some home to their elders, their spouses, their children, their siblings. And they are left with a mysterious question within them. They are learning. I'm learning how to do this. My brother across the table or next to me, he is learning this too. And then we can feel in ourselves a concept in aspects of Hindu thought and South Asian thought of unity and diversity or out of the many one. Oh, there are 16 of us at the table. Individuals, yet one. One great wheel with many spokes turning in time. In such a way, the individual goes first. And yet, when he or she or they live from this place, no one can find them. Because 
There is only the way God exists through them, as if they were a little innocent child, just as my wren's at the back door. So sweet, so fierce, full of life, driving another bird away from that patio. A large bird will come, a blue jay, that little father wren, comes out and he is fierce. And the blue jays rather love them. They tend to stay uh, in the larger bushes. And then they make their sounds and then the wrens make their sounds. They're very good neighbors. Individual birds quite different from one another yet sharing the water, some of the bird seed, the shade of the pecan tree, The human being has an identical path to this. We have simply had to study war no more and instead reach a maturity of the soul and heart and character of the human being wherein we enter a room and we are studying this. When we walk into a room and we are studying, possessing a great deal of the material plane, much more than is one's portion, we're actually a warrior. We're actually arguing. Too much of this earth is mine, as long as I think it should be, and you're less than I am. And all of that armament has kept us from realizing heaven in that moment and is trying to keep other beings from realizing heaven as well. Our fear, though, when we let go into a greater offering is that we'll be left with nothing or someone else will come in and in a very predatory way, try to take over that space. And a person who's very arrogant or demanding of the material plane may try to do that. But the being who is living from this capacity beyond war is filled with a quality, it would be called in Christianity, the Holy Spirit. There is a quality of a celestial yet humble grace moving through the human being. And they might be sitting in a hospital beside a person who's dying. And someone will ask me, who are you? Relative of the family? What are you doing here? Oh, I see. Oh, oh, you're the person they told me about. I'm sorry. But the first experience is of being threatened. Who are you? What are you doing here? And a great deal of what we've learned to do is say, I will buy expensive shoes if I can. I will possess items that are projections of 
prowess, greed. Look at my briefcase. Look at my watch. Look at my sunglasses. Look at my haircut. Look at what I ordered at the restaurant that was too expensive for my father to afford. Aren't I important? Didn't I just hurt everyone around me with the weapon of my greed? The grasping of power, the attempt to grasp the energy of the material world. And for a being like me, the heart and soul are aware that there is suffering. The leather of the cow that died for the shoes that cost 10 times what the mother could afford to buy for her college-age student, the cow suffered for no good reason. Its life wasn't really created for that fall to power. All over our earth right now, there's an enormous war going on. Who shall buy the weapon of the planet and use it to crush other people's children, your dreams, push you away, and show this prowess like an old saber-toothed tiger did long, long ago? From where I live within myself, the beings marketing that argument of greed through weaponry of the material plane are already as remotely archaic as the saber-toothed tiger. Because the earth is calling us to this quality beyond war, which is really the only interesting classroom on the earth. So if one walks into a business meeting or a restaurant, or a downtown street, or a homeless shelter, or a castle, or British Parliament, or a ship, or a train, or is walking on the street, or riding a bicycle. There's a quality wherein you can embody being beyond war every breath unmistakable. And then what is moving through your cells is the quality of home, of an eternal sense. I come from this. I am of this. I return to this. And you nod to the place in every other human being where this dwells. It is so nice to meet you. It is so nice to call all of our human family home, beyond war, everywhere, always. <laughs>